0: I would tell you to turn to your Bibles, uh, but just follow along, okay? Because I'm not going straight through a scripture this morning because we're talking about a whole bunch of scriptures uh, really quickly this morning. I and you can, Mike, can keep up. i tell you what, just to take notes, okay? That way you can go back and look at them later yourself. Let me ask you this question. <clears throat> Let me ask you this question. Uh, how many of you would say that God has blessed you? Anybody here? Anybody? Okay, great. God has blessed you. Uh Now, if you're, you know, how many of you would like to be honest and say, say this? Um, I would love God to even bless me more. Be honest. Come on. Okay. I'm going to give you the key to that this morning. Okay. What scripture has to say. Because Scripture is very straightforward. i got to be honest with you that during financial pieces, we were looking at this as a component of something to do as a church. Um, many of you think we did it because we wanted you just to simply to get your financial house in order, right? That's a good reason. That's that's a secondary issue for me, though. Uh, I mean, it's important. Truthfully, it's secondary because uh, it well, it's primary in a sense because you really need to get your financial house in order as well. Think about your finances. Do them in a biblical way. But the other issue uh, as well is is that if you do that, I'll tell you, it'll reduce my counseling load. That's a, per, a, a kind of a, you know, because you know that 80% of the people that come into the office of any counselor that's having marital difficulties, statistics show have some kind of financial component to the stress that's going on in their life. 80%. It's a big issue. When we don't have it in, together. And so, I mean, I think it'll be great that people uh, will, you know, have their financial house in order. I think that's great. But I want to tell you the reason that I really think that it's more, even more important that we've done financial peace, that you follow those principles, that even though Dave Ramsey didn't uh, quote verse and chapter every week, but I think they're biblical principles because this is the issue. God wants you in a real sense. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to live a blessed life. I want you to live a blessed life. I want you to understand that God wants you to live a blessed life, that he wants to have the blessings. But sometimes we equate blessings to the wrong things. You know what it says in Scripture? It says this in Acts 20, 35. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive the, the challenge. Many of us today think that being blessed means getting more. But God said, if you really want to be blessed, and you raised your hands, that you want even more blessings. You know, a, a, you know, it's more blessed if you want to be more blessed. Equating just to that verse, but that's not the only verse we're going to look at. Just to that verse, then in reality, the key to the blessed life. And this is the ne- next slide. The key to the blessed life is a heart of generosity. If you really want to be blessed, God says, he says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, I love that there's a whole bunch of passages that go along with this. In Proverbs 11, it says this in verses 24 and 25. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. And you think that would be the opposite. The more you give, you know, you give freely and you have less. But he says, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. It says, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I mean, it ties directly back into that Acts twenty thirty five passage. It's more blessed to give and to receive. The person, it's not saying always about, well, if you give all this stuff away, you'll get more stuff back. That's the prosperity gospel, which I don't believe in. But the blessings that God in life has is, is wider than that. I love that what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 6 through 8 and verse 11, it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Any farmer will know this. If you put a few seeds in the ground, you can expect a small harvest. But if you put a lot of seeds in the ground, you can expect a larger harvest. Whoever sows sparely will reap sparely. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. He goes on to say, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That word that word, cheerful is a really interesting word in the Greek. It means hilarious. Hilarious. He loves a person who just when they give, they're going, ah! No, they said belly laugh. They just think, man, that's the greatest thing ever. That's what that word literally means there. God loves that kind of person when we give because he understands, God understands and created us deep in our souls and our hearts to be givers and not takers. And if you want to see what the blessed life looks like in verse 8 there, it says, it says this in verse 8. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. All things all times, all that you need, abounding in every good work. And then he says this in verse 11, and you will be made rich in every way. Be made rich in every way. What does that include? Can it include financial? Yeah, it can. Maybe. But it includes more than that. So often we equate blessings. You know, somebody will say, well, I have a whole lot of stuff. And they'll use the phrase, well, I'm so blessed. Maybe. Because as we see again, it's not just about what we have, but it's how what really blesses your lives and what really God has wired us to be is persons who are givers, persons who have the ability to not hold everything on tightly, as we're going to talk about for just a few minutes today. You'll be made rich in in every way. It could be relational riches with a fantastic, deep, and growing marriage. I'll tell you, if you're very open and if you're not... a you know, a tightwad, just be honest with you. The issue is you probably have a little bit better marriage if you're always going around fighting over finances. You may be, uh, you know, you might have friendships that last for years. That might be a blessing as well. And, and the blessings, God says, are not just so we can enjoy just for ourselves, so we can consume things. But he says... He says that you can be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You'll be re- made rich in every way so that you can do what? You can be generous. The reason that God wants to bless you, if He's blessed you with financial resources, is not that so you can say, Hey, look at what I have. He's saying to us, You can be so you can be generous. I loved uh, what Dan and Jessica shared earlier in regard to that. You know, Jessica was sharing, I heard kind of backstage, I told her I heard her twice. We were in in the tunnel back here listening, and everything in the tunnel you hear twice. It goes, echoes. It was kind of weird. But, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, our goal is not so we can get more and more stuff. The goal is that we can free our lives up so that we can become generous people. That's what God wants us to do. And that's what it says here in Scripture. You know I want you to picture this. Imagine if your heart of generosity grows so much that people all around the world are praising God because of you. And I'm really proud of our church. I think our church is growing in generosity. There's some specific things that I can say to point to that. Last year, when we did the uh, shoe boxes, how many did we do? Vicky? One, about 200. About 200. How many did we do this year? 363. 363. Okay. About the same number of people. We're pretty much the same number of people we were last year this time. We did an almost, not quite 50% increase, but we did a whole bunch more than last year. Okay. This morning, you're bringing back, uh, you know, these boxes with food for Thanksgiving for families. Some of you've delivered those already. My wife and I got the opportunity yesterday to deliver uh, three of those boxes and, and you know, and, and people were just thankful for what they, they were praising, they looked at us like, Great Oaks, what? Like, they couldn't connect the, wh- why we were doing this. Uh, oh, we got your name from Head Start. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember filling out a form. That's about, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. But the thing is, is today, we'll, you know, this today, and uh, this week, and tomorrow, we'll, uh, about 50 of the boxes are coming back here. We'll have blessed uh, uh, close to 100 families in our community, in Tazewell County, Woodford County, who who have real, I want to tell you, have real needs after going to some of the houses yesterday. Real needs. And God, you know, I'm sure they're praising God because of us as well. It's something that goes on a lot, and it's because it goes on on a regular basis. Sometimes we don't think about it as much. It is something that started last year called the Snack Pack Ministry. Out in the lobby, we have a box out there, and you go, and Snack Pack, you yeah, know, I remember that once in a while. What's that all? Let me tell you what Snack Pack is. Last year, we started... Uh, uh, Debbie Rallis, she and some other folks began to say, hey, we need to, to reach out to schools and the communities. And we realized there's a lot of kids who are, who are in the poverty, they eat free lunch. And because of that, a lot of those kids on weekends don't have a lot of resources to eat. My wife was a school teacher for many, many years. And she said, I can tell you from, from fact that many times what happens is those kids come for lunch, for breakfast and lunch at school and maybe get little or nothing when they get home in the evenings. And then what happens is, and, and then on the weekends, what do you do? And the government actually kind of fills in some gaps in the summer. There's a summer program that happens, I found out. I didn't know about that. I asked the question. Uh, but the issue, what happens then? Does these kids just go hungry on weekends? And so and some folks said, hey, we can do something about this. So they started this thing where each, uh, once a month, they get together here. They collect a bunch of stuff. They put together these bags that have a bunch of uh, food that kids can put together themselves. Because a lot of times in single-parent families... And the kids are there by themselves on the weekends because the parent, the single parent is trying to work and make a go of it or whatever. And the issue is, is that so they can take up home. So every Friday afternoon, these kids in their backpack get a bag with some stuff in it that they can take home and eat for the weekend. And it just magically appears in their bag. But the thing is, it takes an ongoing ministry. Last year, there was, I think, 26, family, 26 kids that were being helped, basically, in Metamora. This year, between Metamora Middle, Metamora High School, Metamora Elementary School, Germantown School, that's close to, I think, 80 or 90 kids. I don't know the exact number. And I can't see who, who's out there, so I don't know. But it's, it's a whole bunch more. It's a growing ministry. Those kids are praising God for your generosity. Now The thing is, is that this is just a, a tip of the iceberg of what's going on. Now, that being said, let me ask you this question. Here's the question I want you to think about. Knowing it is more blessed to give than to receive, why are not more people more generous? If we know that, that's what it's, this is not a gray area of Scripture, folks. There's some gray stuff in Scripture. This is not it. Jesus says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Period. And then he illustrates it zillions of times in Scripture. The reason I believe is because we have a, the wrong kind of mindset. And I want to share with you just in the next oh, five or ten minutes just the two mindsets, and the one we don't want to have and the one we want to have in regard to what will change who we are. The first mindset I call a scarcity mindset. The scarcity mindset is people who have simply say, and, and I'll use um Simply say this, they simply say, well, I never will have enough. It's, 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 it's like, I just, you know, I got to hold on to what I have. I've never going to have enough. And it's kind of illustrated over in the Old Testament and the passage is kind of obscure, but it's called, there's it, it a book actually in the Old Testament you probably have never read called Haggai. How many of you have read Haggai before? Some of you have read that. Okay. All 12 of you. Um... <laughs> Haggai one six says this: It says, "You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put in a bag with holes. It's kind of a descriptive thing of this of this scarcity mindset. You know, we hold we get stuff and we hold on to it, but it's kind of like it's, we put it into a bag with holes and it keeps leaking out and it keeps going everywhere. And so I better hold onto that bag because I better hold what's in there because it's going to go." And even those, many of us who are believers, sometimes we have this scarcity mindset, or at least we live like that. We have this monthly income and we say, I don't know where it goes. That's why we gave you financial peace to go through, so you can know where it goes. You know? At least you'll know where the holes in the bag are. But we want you to plug the holes. God wants you to plug the holes. We don't go around worrying about all the time because part of the thing, it's amazing to me that how many people simply don't know where their money goes. And so they live this like day-to-day, week-to-week, and if there's any kind of emergency in life, and what it is, it becomes like a major deal in their life. There was a guy like that that was even one of Jesus' followers. You remember what his name was? His name was, who held the money bag? Judas. And Judas had this scarcity mindset. He really did a follower of Jesus and he had a scarcity mindset and he had a scarcity mindset because remember one day this immoral woman comes to Jesus and she was going to worship Jesus and she broke this bottle of expensive perfume and scripture says that it was probably almost worth a year's wages and you know that all the probably some people are going like Jesus was going what this woman really wants to worship me she wants to give her all to me but you know what Jesus Judas did Judas looked and he goes no don't do that we could have sold that bottle of perfume and helped a bunch of people. He was so consumed by what was in the bag. In fact, you know what he did? He did what many people do today. He betrayed Jesus because of his bag mindset. It says he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver in a little bag. And you know, the Bible says that sometimes we can do the same thing. We don't literally do, do that. But he says... People today don't give because they said it's mine, it's mine. And in the Old Testament, and Jesus commends this in the New Testament as well, he says, the tithe belongs to me. He says, what you're doing when you don't give back to God and you don't, and you're not a generous person with your resources, you're stealing from God. That's what he says in Scripture. Look it up. That's not Bill said that. That's what Scripture says. But so often we're sitting around and we have this scarcity mindset. Man, I got this bag, my bag, my stuff's in the bag. It's mine, it's mine. And I gotta hold on to it. Because God wouldn't dare bless me with anything else. And guess what? You're probably right. That's the first mindset that God doesn't want us to. Stay. The second mindset is what I call the abundance mindset. It's the abundance mindset. The abundance mindset is that I can have more than enough. God has given me more than enough. And because of that, I believe that God is an abundant God. And because of that, I can live my life with an open hand freely. It has nothing to do with how much I have. You know what's the saddest statistic I read recently about Americans? That the wealthier we get, generally, there is exceptions. Generally, the least percentage of our income that we give away to anybody. Americans who live on poverty level give 5% of their income to anything, churches, stuff. The average American who makes the average income, whatever that may be, forty-five, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000, it's according to what community you live in, some less, some more. The average American that lives in that gives 3.2% of their income toward charitable giving. Not just churches, but anything. The person that makes over $250,000 a year, though, guess what they give as a whole? 0.07% of their income. Now, is something wrong with that, folks? God did not give us abundance so that we can hoard it. He has given us as believers, He has given us stuff for us to understand that He... Hey... In Deuteronomy 28, it says this, verses 4 through 6. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. He's talking about this abundance mindset if we believe and trust in God and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock. Uh, verse 5 says your basket and your knee and trough will be blessed. None of you have that, I know. But i understand. it's you understand the principle. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. It's this abundance mindset that if we open our hands and allow God to use the resources that we're simply stewards of everything we have then he'll begin to bless us in life, sometimes financially. Most of the time, it'll be in other ways as well, but they're just as important ways. Luke chapter 6, Jesus uh, gives us kind of an interesting little story about this. He says, in this, he says, talking about giving, he says, given it will give, be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will it be given unto you? And you're like, I don't understand that. Let me tell you what it means. Jesus was talking about an ag- agrarian society where people would raise grain. And there was two kinds of people that would collect the grain, harvest the grain. First of all, the first kind of person were the person who were the day laborers, the people who were paid for going out and taking their baskets and collecting the grain and taking it back to the master. When they would go out into the fields, and they were getting paid, I guess, hourly, I don't know, but they were getting paid, and they would would take... Or by the basket, maybe even that. This might be another way of looking at it. What they would do is they go out and they fill up their baskets, kind of like you know three fourths full, because guess what? They had to carry it all the way back across the field, back to where the storehouse was, and get it there. So they weren't real. It wasn't really important to them to fill it up really full. The second group of people that benefited from the grain as well, from the harvest as well, were the people who were the poor people. And for, and for, once the har- the grain was harvested, the, the master, the person who owned the land would allow people who were poor people to go in and go out into the, in the into the community and go, or go out into the field, excuse me, go out into the field. And what they could do is they could take the, the grain and they would collect it and take it home and actually be the of beneficiaries of it. So guess what they did? They didn't work. They weren't haphazard about how much they put in the basket. They would take the basket and they would, Make sure it was really full, and then they would press it down, press down, and then it "Shake it together." And they would shake it, make sure all the air was out. I would say so they would go down, they'd press it down, shake it down, and it was, and it make sure it was, you know, to the top of the basket. They couldn't hardly carry the basket home because it was so full. That's the p- the picture Jesus gives of how God is with us. He's not kind of a stingy giver. He doesn't fill up our basket halfway. He wants to fill it up it's running over, pressed down, shaken up, running over. That's the kind of abundance that God wants to do in our life. That's a picture that he gave. Another story that you're probably familiar with as well is a story that's in the New Testament as well about, about a little boy that one day that Jesus was teaching, and he'd been teaching for a, for a period of time, and, and he's teaching, it says, 5,000 men and women and children, so maybe ten, fifteen thousand 15,000 people were there, and it says that he, but Jesus got kind of long-winded that day. That never happens with speakers, right? And he and got kind of along with it, and so they'd gone past the lunch hour. And what was going on here was that Jesus, you know, the disciples came to Jesus and said, "Hey, hey, Jesus, everybody's hungry. What are we going to do about this?" And Jesus kind of puts out an appeal. He says, "Anybody have any food? You know, uh, can we use it to help feed the people?" And there was this little boy in the crowd. You remember the story? You probably don't know a lot of stories. Maybe this is one you do know. This little boy in the crowd, and he and he had five loaves and two fishes. You know, he had his happy meal there. And, and, the thing was, is, the thing was, is that if he'd have had a scarcity mindset, what would he have done? He would have said, Hey, this is mine. I brought mine. You guys are out of luck. And he'd been there just as long as everybody else. And that's all he had. But he didn't have a scarcity mindset. He had abundance mindset. And it says what he did is he gave it to Jesus. Jesus did what with it? He blessed it. And then he gave it out, and in a miraculous way, it fed all those people. And then it said when it was all over with, what happened? He had five loaves and two fishes. No! He had a bunch of baskets full. See, this is a picture, once again, of the abundance of God, the way that God wants to bless us. He wants to take that when we're generous and when we open our hands to to him and our hearts to him, he wants to take in our lives and he wants to bless us more abundantly. But if we are simply the people who go around and hold on to it all the time, that bag and with the holes in it, you know, we will have that, yes, but then we'll, we'll lose some of that too because he's not going to bless us with more and more and more if all we do is be <laughs> people who are stingy. So here's my prayer for every single one of you. I pray that God will stretch your faith out of the scarcity mindset into the abundance mindset that when you're faithful with a little he will give you more blessings and one day you're going to wake up and you go you know I got more than I can possibly use myself and so what I want to do is I want to just I just want to bless others with it not only do I want to give the tithe with God says I'm supposed to give to him to start off with because he says the tithe is something we do to show we trust God but I want to give beyond that. I want to, you know, when I hear of a need of somebody at work or I hear a need of somebody in the community, that I don't have to sit around and pray about it. I just got, you know, because I've managed my resources so well and I live my life with an open hand, that what it is is I can just write a check or do whatever I need to do to help meet that need. The question is, God wants to know how much can I bless you with. He wants to know that. Are you going to be a bad person? Scarcity mindset? Are, are you gonna be, are you gonna be a person who never has enough? Are you gonna be a person who has a, who's a basket? Who understands that God has given you a bunch and you, and you got more than you need? And you're almost more like a, instead of a basket, you're like a funnel. Comes in, it goes out, it comes in, it goes out. Let me share with you what I share with our church leadership back about two or three months ago when we had a leadership team meeting between our, our staff, our, um, our leadership team and our and our admin council, which is the kind of the governing group of our church that kind of oversees things, the finances, the general direction of the church, and the day-to-day operations, I sit down with them. We were talking about future, and I shared this, and this is really my heart. I want you to understand this because I believe it's a biblical mindset. I believe that God, what he wants us to do eventually is I'd love to see us as a church eventually that 50% of the stuff that comes in these doors through tithes, offerings, and whatever goes out the doors, 50%. Because if we really believe that God wants to bless us, and it's more blessed to give than to receive, and we believe that our purpose here in this community, in this world, is to help reach people for Christ, to build them up into maturity, and to grow them, we have to get. We can't just take stuff in and go in like, hey, you know. And if that's going to happen, if this happens where we can give fifty percent of that, two or three things are going to have to happen. One of the things that's going to have to happen is we need to pay off our debt. Now I'm not saying we're going to have any kind of building campaign. I really don't believe we need that if people, God's people, are generous. But we still owe almost right at one million dollars on our facilities. That's not a lot for for a a group of people this size to pay off. But once we do that, we can't just have a mindset. Okay, we've got it paid off. Which is the next building we're going to build? Because the issue is, is we can become like the rest of the world, and the rest of the world has this mindset of, and I'm going to jump down a couple of, uh, couple. I'm going to eliminate a couple of verses here. So uh, Dan up there, I forgot who was up at the PowerPoint. Just ignore the next couple of verses. Um, we 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 can be like Luke 12, which is not on your outline. Luke 12, verse 16, there's a story there, and it says, The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought of himself, What should I do? I have no place to store my crops. then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods, and I'll say to myself, You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. I've become convinced of this. So often we as churches can become just like this barn guy in scripture. As we, as God, you know, blesses us with stuff, we can have, you know, abundance, but we're going like, man, you know, let me tell you folks, are y'all fairly comfortable right now? The room's fairly comfortable. The chairs are fairly comfortable. That's just about as comfortable as it's going to get at Great Oaks. Okay. My vision is, and and, 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 you know, I'm going to be here for a few more years. My vision, I hopefully gonna be here a few more years. I may get kicked out after this. But but the issue is, my vision is not that we build a big building with nice, comfortable theater chairs and things like that so that you know that we can be more comfortable. My vision is that we take the resources that God has blessed us with already and learn to use them in creative ways to, to, to reach this community and then take the excess resources and dump them into the community and into the greater world. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we shared about a vision for what God can do internationally. We're already, you know, intermixed with and meeting some needs through a group called the Basque. But that's not all God wants us to do. Locally, you know, I mean, I'm I'm grateful that God has opened some doors through the snack. We can snack pack program and he's doing some things there through some of the things we do with Head Start. But that's not all there is. There is needs that we as a group of people can begin to focus upon and meet if we'll just be unselfish. But sadly enough, so often we have this barn blessings with a bad mindset. This we have a lot. And we think it's like this guy in scripture in Luke 12 that simply says, Hey man, I got a bunch. Let's build a bigger barn. So we can store more stuff for me. You're going like, I don't have any barn. Yeah, you do. You got a barn where your car, if you got a garage, anybody got a garage here? You got a barn for your car. An inanimate object. Probably most of you got two and three car barns. The issue is, see, it's not about getting bigger and better, folks. I, I can't t- and, and, and it's so amazing. We know this. We know this, but for some reason we don't act upon it. We know that the more we get, the, it doesn't make us any happier. It's just more to manage. But God hasn't called us to be that kind of persons. And as we conclude this, this, this stage of our, of our life here at Great Oaks, as we've gone through financial peace, I hope that the lesson we've learned, yeah, we can manage our resources better. But Dave Ramsey said, kept saying through financial peace, irritated the fool out of me. He kept saying the same phrase. over Is it irritate the fool when somebody says something over and over? And you're like, okay, I know what you're going to say. What was the phrase he kept saying over and over and over and over and over and over? Every week. You can live like no one else, live like no one else. So, sometime later, you can live like no one else. And for some people, that can mean, well, you know, if I manage my resources well, I could be rich in the future. Rich. That's not what he was saying. If you came to the last session, he says, no. It's not about being rich. Yeah, it's about being good stewards of our resources. It's not about us. But he said basically it's about this coming to the point in our life when we can have open hands and open hearts. That money is not about us. That our resources are not about us. And so I think Dave Ramsey's partially right. Okay? You can live like no one else, so you can live like, no, but I don't think you have to wait till later. Because you can begin the process now of living your life with an open hand. It doesn't take 20, 30 years. If you just trust God. I mean, do the basic, do the smart things, you know. Cut back on your lifestyle some. Get some built-in, you know, margin into your life. Then give. Give. Because God says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I know you want to be blessed because you raised your hand. Maybe you didn't know what you was raising your hand for. For. That's what God says. So for me and my household, I'm really thankful that my wife and I, have, for years, have, have not had this bag mindset, but we truly believe that what God has given us is, is, is his. And, and years ago, when we decided to not only go beyond the tithe, but to go beyond that, to give to regular to the church and to give offerings and stuff as well, it didn't really matter that, you know, when we came here, we reduced our income by about 40%. Because uh, we just adjusted our lifestyle. You can do that. I know. I've done it. I do not teach you anything. I do not practice. Or at least I don't try to. But God wants us to understand it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I just want you to be blessed. God wants you to be blessed. The question is, will you believe him and trust him? And allow him to use the resources that you have for a greater good. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.